when I was younger, we used a, a few different sayings that related to being close, but not quite what was expected or where you needed to be or what you were supposed to accomplish. Maybe you've used them yourself for all I know. They may still be in use today, although as I recognize myself as further and further away from pop culture, I really have no idea. The sayings are these, close, but no cigar. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And if you miss by an inch, you miss by a mile. These were frequently applied to, at least in my case, attempts to play baseball, and anything that's not a hit is a miss. A miss is a strike. No matter how close that bat came to the ball, if it didn't make contact, you missed. It's a strike. It gets you nowhere. This is where the phrases were most commonly used in my circles, but I've heard them used in other situations as well. The one thing that is true, no matter when or where or why, these phrases all mean the same thing. Close. No matter how close, simply doesn't count. Now, I bring all this up today because of the interchange between the scribe and Jesus. First, we have a scribe. Now, a scribe is a man who is learned in the scripture. Today, we would refer to him either as a Bible scholar or as a theologian. Bottom line, he knew the text. He knew the scriptures. The scribe approaches Jesus and asks, Which is the greatest commandment? Many people speculate that this was an attempt at a verbal trap. The Ten Commandments given to Moses are primary. And if Jesus chose one over the others, then they could accuse Jesus of somehow dismissing and therefore not abiding by the rest of the commands. You will notice that the text says when the scribe approached Jesus that he just asked the question. One of the scribes came up and asked Jesus which commandment is the most important of all. The scribe did not give Jesus or show Jesus any form of respect or courtesy. Even if this was not an intentional attempt at a trap, the question was at least put forward with an attitude of, I'm going to show this upstart that he's not as smart as he thinks he is. And then Jesus replies. Now, Jesus doesn't only reply. He doesn't just give an answer. Oh, this commandment is the most important. He replied in the same fashion or the same technique that the scribes use and the Pharisees use for teaching the scriptures. The first thing Jesus does is answer the question posed Now, he was asked to name the most important commandment. And Jesus does so by quoting a law found in Deuteronomy. But when he does, he backs up just a little bit. He puts a little extra on. This is the process. You get a question, you give an answer, but you put a little extra on. And he answers from the text. He begins the answer of which is the greatest commandment by first saying, Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord, is one. Then he goes on and recites the command. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. At this point, Jesus has answered the question, and in doing so, he alerted all who are listening that he speaks of the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and David. But, he's putting a little bit more on. At this point, Jesus continues in the teaching style of the scribes and Pharisees by adding to the answer. So he anchors it in the faith that everyone knows and recognizes and understands we worship one true God. He answers the question, but then he adds more and he puts it back into the scribes' court. And he does so by giving the weaving of another quote. This time from Leviticus as the second most important commandment. And he says, Scribe, you asked me for one, but I give you two. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. And then, and then, driving his point home, Jesus continues in the teaching style of the scribe by making an authoritative statement or commentary on the text. There is no other commandment greater than these. Notice the way that is stated. There is no greater commandment. This in the singular, while being compared to the plural, greater than these. One would expect there are no other commandments greater than these. Plural to plural. But instead he did singular to plural. This pairing of the singular to the plural implies that the two together, love God and love neighbor, should be taken as a unit, that they are dependent upon one another, and therefore they are best understood as two parts, the first part and the second part of a singular command. Love God and love neighbor. To do one, you must do both. Now all of a sudden, the scribe realizes that he's the one that's been taken to school. The scribe replies, you are right, teacher. Now he's giving Jesus the respect that he's due. Furthermore, he affirms everything Jesus said. You have truly said that God is one, that there is no other beside him, to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as yourself. And then the scribe continues. He continues this back and forth teaching method. He answers one more scripture into his answer by saying that loving God and loving neighbor is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When the scribe did this, he was pulling inspiration from the Psalms. In Psalm 40, verse 6, and the sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. And then also from Psalm 51 and verse 16. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. So he's pulling from that to give his commentary on what has just been said. Let's do a quick review of what has just happened. The scribe tried to either trap Jesus or at least to try to show him up in front of the disciples. Upon Using the teaching method of the day, Jesus turns the tables on the scribe 
And in reply, the scribe confesses that there is one and only one true God, that a person must love God with everything he has, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, that a person must love neighbor as much as self, and that the sacrifices of the day, the sacrifices of the day were inadequate before God for the forgiveness of sins. To which Jesus replies, You are not far from the kingdom of God. You are ever so close. You are not far. You're not quite there, though. The scribe was close, ever so close. But the text goes on to say, after that, no one dared ask any more questions. What's a question going to do? It's going to bring, I'm going to answer, and I'm going to give you more. So based on that teaching pattern, the next thing to tackle would be just what is an acceptable sacrifice. Because that's what the scribe left off with. The sacrifice we have isn't good enough. So if that's the case, what's next? And asking any further question would make them confront the reality that Jesus is not just answering their questions. Jesus is the answer. To their questions. That Jesus' teaching from the beginning of his ministry on earth was all about loving God and loving one's neighbor, whom Jesus made clear is all and everyone, especially those in need. I am convinced that had the scribes and the other people present continued in their questioning, then Jesus would have said to them words similar to those recorded by John. In chapter 14, in verse 6, in his accounting of the gospel. And that's where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So the scribe instead stopped. All the people stopped asking questions before the answers would require a commitment, require and mandate a life change. He was... They were, so many today are, so close to the kingdom, and yet at the same time, far away. A swing and a miss. If you go back to baseball, and if you miss by an inch, you miss by a mile. Because close does not count, because the kingdom is one with neither horseshoes nor hand grenades. And why all this build up Hinging on the simple phrase, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Because the majority of the world, including an astonishing number of people in the church claiming to be Christians, think that close is close enough. That a person can be of another faith or even no faith at all as long as one is just good enough. How to define good enough is anybody's guess. That one can just be good enough and still be allowed into the kingdom of God when the Bible clearly tells us that there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which we can be saved except that of Jesus. Acts chapter 4. That we must confess Jesus with our mouths and believe in his bodily resurrection in order to be saved. Romans chapter 10. 
That we must repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Acts chapter 2. And we can go on and on and on, but no matter how many additional passages from the Bible we quote, they all point to the exact same truth. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And no one comes to the Father but by Him. No matter how good a person is, no matter how devout and well-intentioned in their non-Christian faith they are, no matter how much of a good person they are and how much good that person does in the world without Jesus, the answer will always be the same. You are near. You are near the kingdom of God. And near is not the same as in. Ever. We must seek after, pray for, urge others with the gospel all towards their conversion to Christ because not far is still too far and close doesn't count. Amen.